Welcome to Investors Insights. Our topic today is interest rates and your income. The reason we picked that topic is because everybody was all excited to learn at first that the Federal Reserve had uh, dropped interest rates so low. They immediately thought about their mortgage rates, uh, what their loan rate might go to, and also how that could help the economy. In the coming months, though, we thought it was time now to talk about those coming months when people start to go, but what about my income? What interest am I making on my money? The other thing is, from the standpoint of my 30-plus year career, where have I seen interest rates go? I'm proud to tell you that when I first got in the business in 1981, I looked up and 30-year treasury was at uh, 14%. Uh, Today, that same rate is uh, 1.4%. So I want you to understand where we've come from. And in addition to that, if you come to my office here at Five Plan Partners, you will see hanging on the wall a bond issue that I did when I was head of public finance in those early 80 years. Uh, My first bond issue ever, Town of Loxley uh, in South Alabama, and it was paying 9.5% tax-free. Think about that. At that time, we had mortgage rates that were well into the double digits, and here we are now in the 30-plus year career, and we have interest rates around zero, and 30-year treasuries paying 1.4%. Bobby, you did a great job starting off today uh, as we got in this debate and our discussions talking about dividends and income and stocks, uh, you know, and that relationship. So talk more about that as we educate our viewership on the importance of tracking interest rates as well as stock dividend yields. Yeah, Greg, quick update on dividends. Obviously, dividends and income are an important piece at building investment portfolios. And so in terms of total return, we know that going back to 1982, dividend income has accounted for over 25% of the annualized total return of stocks. And so right now, over 70% of S&P 500 companies have dividend yields greater than the 10-year treasury. So 10-year treasury currently stands below 1% at 0.66%. And like Greg mentioned earlier, the 30-year treasury stands at 1.42%. Now, while the average yield of the S&P 500 is 1.96%. So obviously stocks are riskier than than treasuries, uh, but for some investors looking for income, we're in what we call the TINA market. There is no alternative uh, because right now stocks and corporate bonds are really the only place to get significant yield right now. And one of the reasons that stocks remain attractive in portfolios is because of their income that they produce. Bobby, thanks for saying that. It also ties into the fact that it's one thing to say, I need to borrow money at these rates. It's another thing to say, I need my portfolio to be generating income for me. You know, I'm a retiree. I'm looking to retire. That's the importance of the financial blueprint that we do here at Five Plan Partners in relation to somebody's income, whether they're close to retirement or they're already retired. How do we generate that income for them to live off of? And it's a very valid point, and it's one that we, moving forward, are going to be keeping a close eye on because right now the forecasts are that we don't see rates going up anytime soon. In fact, Trey, you brought together some great data uh, in terms of inflation versus deflation, uh, which is a big impact on interest rates. Talk about that. 
Yeah, over the long term, you really want your money to at least keep up with uh, inflation, so where you're not losing money by investing. And traditionally speaking, the 10-year treasure long-term government debt is very safe, but the interest rate on there, you want to at least be able to get, the, get your money back net of inflation. Uh, and, at, and at extremely low rates, last week we saw the 10-year treasury yield drop from 0.9 to 0.7. Uh, so interest rates can continue to fall, but surely they're not uh, keeping up with inflation at those low rates. However, uh, we got some interesting points from uh, the consumer price index and the producer price index for May. Both price indicators fell, which indicates deflation, uh, not inflation. So even though at low rates of, of, of a fraction of a percent, you're still outpacing inflation. Uh, it's just you're not getting a lot of return out of it. And so with, without inflation, there's no push to, to interest rates higher because interest rates, even at zero, if you have deflation, interest rates are keeping up with the, with the cost of money. And so that's something we're watching very closely. People see all this government stimulus, all the money being issued and, and spent by, by the federal government and the treasury. Surely that'll cause inflation. Uh, we saw the economy reopening uh, in month over month, May versus April after the reopening. Prices didn't rise like expected. Prices actually continued to fall. And so even though the market's reopening, even though we've put a lot of stimulus into the economy, typically that would, that would be indicative of maybe some inflation coming down the road. We're seeing the opposite, deflation, which for the long term can be negative for portfolios because there is no interest rate, there is no yield, there is no alternative. So uh, investors are, are forced to take on more risk than they'd be comfortable with just to get any kind of interest or return uh, because you're not getting anything from the Treasury. Yeah, and, and th thank you for saying that, Trey. And, and, and Ashley, you brought out the point in that debate and conversation that, you know, yes, we've seen interest rates get extremely low. In fact, in some of the European countries, we've seen negative rates. Uh, at the same time, though, the, the stock market had rallied due to the fact with the, all the stimulus that's taken place uh, by the Fed and through Congress and also from the standpoint of uh, the interest rates being so low. Uh, you brought up a point, though, that for us to continue moving forward and seeing strength in an economy, a strength in recovery, which one day will have a rippling effect on interest rates, uh, what's got to take place from a global standpoint? Greg, it has to be two things. We were looking at that over the weekend with a large international consulting firm that did this study. They looked at the 12 largest economies in the world, including our own, for us to really turn this boat off of COVID-19, you need two things. You need to have spent an equivalent either through financial, monetary policy, public policy, or both, physical policy or both, 10% of your GDP level, that's number one, and you had to do it quickly. The good news is the vast majority of economies around the world in that top 12 have done that. So basically, this money continues to work itself through the system, we want to remind viewers, it's not just us. You know, there are a lot of economies around the world that are really trying to prop this floor up, and it should be effective once the multiplier effect of this cash moves through the system. Right. And, and here we are in uh, mid-June. Uh, in a couple of weeks, we will have completed the first six months of 2020, and we are seeing everything taking place on those 12 economies uh, trying to create stimulus in their economies to get things going, but also the economies can take off uh, and it still will take a while before those interest rates uh, could start moving back up. 
Uh, you know, it, it's, it's a building process through all of this. And so navigating through this, especially for the retirees and their income, uh, the savers and their income or interest rates that they're earned on their money, that's going to be a big debate coming forward. We're also starting to see a trade back in the market as people are starting to wonder if there will be more stimulus or from the standpoint, the reopening of America and reopening of other countries, will it move as quickly as everybody anticipated? Now, another thing that we look at from an indicator standpoint, and Adam, you were going down your data sheet today uh, sharing information. I was really fascinated by the initial public offerings uh, that we're seeing in the stock market right now, the IPOs, uh, as a way for us to kind of look at how people are thinking. So talk about that. Yeah, thanks, Greg. So as you said, we've seen a recent surge in IPOs. And like you said, that's initial public offerings. This is where companies will go public to raise more capital for their companies. And what we're seeing during this pandemic is we're seeing a lot of bankrupt companies and private equity backed companies start to come to the forefront. And why does this matter to us as investors? We're starting to see a lot more participation in the markets. And this is encouraging and can even be encouraging, you know, down the road with consumer confidence. So as we see these IPOs kind of become a fast and furious trend, it's going to be important to keep an eye on IPOs and see if this trend continues throughout the remainder of the year, because it's going to give us a good indicator of a lot of optimism in the market. Well, it's, it, it, you know, and it's a valid point. It's a great way for companies to raise capital, uh, to grow their business. At the same time, it's private investors who put their money into a company long before it went public that now are cashing out. And so the right. debate becomes, are they cashing out uh, from the standpoint because they want to raise more cash or from the standpoint, you know, and we're very thankful for this, we're starting to see markets get more normal again to where IPOs, initial public offerings, can come to market. And so there's a lot of dynamics taking place there. And we think in, as going forward here in June and July, we still have to see this market work through lower interest rates, uh, earning uncertainty, uh, different sectors of the market reacting in different ways to the reopening of America. But there's going to be opportunities there as well as action needs to be taken to be proactive to make sure that within our clients' portfolios, they're allocated and in such a way that they can take advantage of lower interest rates or, as Bobby said, dividend yields uh, earlier in this uh, video. So on that note, we wanted to bring you a lot of information today. It's data week. It's a heavy data week. A lot of economic news is coming out. We understand that interest rates are low. We're keeping everybody updated on the different strategies that can be used. Please continue to follow us on our social media, as well as thank you so much for sharing these vlogs with others, colleagues, neighbors, friends, family. Uh, we've just uh, been thrilled with the response that we have gotten, and mainly because we do these to keep you informed, to help educate or give you ideas moving forward so that with all the noise out there, you at least know what counts what is valuable information that you need to focus on. Have a great week as we start to go into summer even more, and we're going to keep you updated as everything continues to work through this economic uh, COVID-19 economy. Thanks. Thanks.